0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Khattis Guest Center, a subdivision of the Sheikh Eid bin Mohamed Al Thani Charity Association is pleased to present to you this series of lectures from the book entitled Sunnah هاج أهل سنة والجماعة في العقيدة والعمل the methodology of the people of Sunnah in matters of creed and actions by a Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih ibn Uthaymeen Rahimahullah Tape number two discuss the following topics definition and importance of al-aqidah the Islamic creed who are the Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah the various names they are known by and their methodology in acquisition of the creed نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله الشرور ومن سيئات اعمالنا من الله فلا مضل له ومن fala فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان عبده ورسوله. like to begin this morning now a second lecture in the course of Al-Akhidah Al-Islamiyyah the Islamic creed or the Islamic belief system taken from the essay of Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih Al-Uthaymeen Hafiz of Allah may Allah protect and preserve him his essay entitled Manhaj Ahl Al-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah the Manhaj was the methodology of the Ahlus sunnah wal-Jama'ah. And in this essay, which we will discuss further in the coming lecture Ibn idhnillahi ta'ala, Shaykh Muhammad al-Uthaymeen Allah discusses what is the methodology of the people of Sunnah, the Muslim Ummah who follows the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and who stood together as a group without being divided into sects and parties. He discusses the methodology of the people of Sunnah uh, in understanding the deen and in practicing it. In the previous lecture, the introductory lecture, we discussed last week or in the first lecture, the importance of knowledge, the status of the people of knowledge, the sources of al-uloom al the Islamic legal sciences and some of the sayings of the scholars concerning these points. And we mentioned in that lecture a number of proofs or evidences which show us the importance of knowledge and the status of the people of knowledge and from amongst them the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, shahid Allahu annahu la ilaha illa huwa. شاهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو That Allah subhanahu wa bears witness That there is nothing which has the right to be worshipped except Him And then He coupled to His testimony The testimony of the malaika, the angels, Who also bear witness that He alone deserves to be worshipped And the testimony of أول العلم That is the علماء, the scholars And this shows the honorable status of the scholars that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has included. Along with his own testimony of of his exclusive right to be worshipped, he included along with him the testimony of the angels and the scholars. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, قُلْ حَلْ يَسْتَوِي الَّذِينَ يَعْلَمُونَ وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Say, are those equal, those who know and those who do not know. And this is a clear indication of the superiority of the people who know over those who do not know. And also we mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa إِنَّمَا اللَّهِ مِنْ عباده العلماء, That really those ulama, the scholars, that they are the ones who definitely fear Allah. And in fact, the meaning of إِنَّمَا اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ It means that the ulama they fear Allah and they are the only ones who have fear of Allah. According to the extent of the person's knowledge it will be an indication of the extent of their ability to know the reality of Allah Taala and therefore have fear of him so it is based on one's knowledge that one is enabled to know Allah and to see Allah as he should be feared and also the saying of the Prophet Sallallahu concerning the status of knowledge and the people of knowledge uh, in a long hadith reported by Abu Dharzaa radiAllahu anhu in the Sunan of Abu Dawud and Atirmidhi ibn Majah and the Sahih ibn Hibal, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, That whoever travels a path seeking knowledge in that path, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make easy for him a path to paradise. وَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ لَتَدْعُ أَجْمِحَتَهَا لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ رِضَا بِمَا يَسْنَعَ and that verily the angels lower their wings to the student of knowledge or the seeker of knowledge being pleased with what the one who seeks knowledge is engaged in وَإِنَّ الْعَالَمِ لَيَتْتَغْخِرُ لَهُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ حَقَّ الْحَيْتَانِ and that verily everyone who is in the heavens and who is in the earth seek forgiveness for the the island, the skalah, even the fish in the sea. Al and the superiority of the alam, the scala over the worshipper the Abid is as the superiority of the moon, the full moon over the rest of the stars in the sky. وَإِنَّ الْعُلَمَاءَ وَرَثُوا الْأَنْبِيَاهِ وَإِنَّ الْأَنْبِيَاهِ لَمْ يُوَرِّثُوا دِنَارًا وَلَا دِرْحَمًا وَإِنَّمَا وَرَّثُوا الْعِلْمِ And verily the ulama, the scholars, are the inheritors of the Prophet, and verily the prophets don't leave as inheritance money or wealth, dinar or dirham. وَإِنَّمَا وَرَّثُوا الْعِلْمِ But verily, that which they left as inheritance is knowledge. فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ أَخَذَ whoever has taken this knowledge, the inheritance of the MBR, whoever has taken it, then they have indeed taken something, a great portion of that which is good from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This morning, after this brief review of the importance of knowledge and the status of the people of knowledge, we would like to go to a number of points which are also introductory remarks for this course of Al-Aqeedah al islamiyah based on the essay Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Usaymin the methodology or the minhaj of the Ahl-Sunnah wal Juma'ah in this introductory lecture number two we would like to discuss briefly five points the first of them Al-Aqeedah what is the meaning of the word or the expression or the term Al-Aqeedah also what is the importance of the study of aqidah and who are the ahl sunnah wal jama'ah when we say the methodology or the way of the ahl sunnah wal jama'ah who are the ahl sunnah wal jama'ah and what are some of the other names that they are referred to by and finally point number four and number five we would like to discuss briefly the manhaj or the methodology of the ahl sunnah wal jama'ah and the acquisition or the derivation of the Ahidah. How? What was their methodology in taking the Aqidah? From where did they take it and how did they view the Islamic belief? And finally, some of the primary or distinguishing characteristics of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. These are the points here in Ta'ala that we would like to discuss this morning. The first point, the Introduction to the word Al-Aqidah What is the meaning of al aqida linguistically as well as in the technical terminology of the deen of Allah Taala? Linguistically the word aqida it is from the word Aqadah aqada. it means to knot or to bind, to fasten tightly, to fortify, consolidate and cement And it means to tie something, to bind it or to fasten it tightly Al-Aqeedah is from the word Aqadah. Linguistically it means to tie something, or to fasten, or to bind, or to consolidate. Technically, the technical meaning of Al-Aqeedah in the Deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means a firm, unwavering belief. A firm, unwavering belief which in no way, which is in no way open to doubt in the mind and the heart of the one who holds this conviction. It is a conviction or a belief that is firm, tied, fastened, fortified, cemented. And it is in no way open to doubt in the mind or in the heart of the believer who holds this conviction or this aqidah. Therefore, the Islamic aqidah or creed refers to a firm, unwavering faith or iman in the following primary or fundamental points, The first of them to have belief or iman in Allah <laughs> and what is due to him of tawheed in one's belief, worship and obedience to him. I believing in Allah that he has the exclusive right to be worshiped and to be obeyed and whatever else is included in the tawheed of Allah <laughs> of the different types. Number two, believe in the angels whom Allah <laughs> created from light And that their uh, their functions are many, and the description of these angels and their names and their functions, perhaps uh, we will discuss in the end of this course. Also, the scriptures or divine revelations that were revealed to the prophets and messengers who were sent to every nation, from the first of the prophets, Adam, alayhi salam, and the first of the messengers, Nuh السلام, until the last of the prophets and messengers, Muhammad uh, Also, belief in the prophets and messengers. The prophets and messengers were sent to every nation throughout time, and the last of them is Muhammad, the messenger of Allah وسلم, the seal of the prophets. Also, the belief in the last day, the day of judgment, or the day of resurrection, and uh, belief in the divine decree, Al-Qadr, ال- Wal-Qadr the belief in the divine decree that Allah has decreed things based on his knowledge of everything and that he brings those things into existence as he decreed them to be not excluding the fact that the human beings have been given free will after knowing what is right and wrong to choose what they will do and therefore they are responsible for their actions in this world and finally of the important things that we may also include as part of those things that we should have an unwavering conviction in the I mean, part of the Islamic aqeedah also is whatever has been confirmed of the matters of the unseen the reports of the previous nations what the Prophet sallallahu have informed us of, of what happened of the previous nations of the past as well as those things that he informed us of uh, by revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what would happen in the future this is the uh, meaning of al aqeedah linguistically it means to fasten or tighten or bind Consolidate or cement, technically it means the unwavering, firm belief, which doesn't allow any doubt in the heart or the mind of the one who holds that conviction, and then it includes belief in Allah, the angels, the scriptures, the messengers, the last day, the divine decree, and other matters of the unseen, of the previous nations, as well as of the future Who are the Ahlu sunnah Wal-Jama'ah, and why are they called by this name, and what are some of the names of the Ahlu As-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah? Perhaps this term Ahl al wal jamaah may be known to some of us and to others it may be a new terminology and new meaning something that we didn't know before though this terminology is founded or based it is based upon the uh, teaching of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, indicating the importance of these two characteristics the characteristic of as sunnah and the characteristic of al-jama'ah. The ahlu sunnah al jamaah are all those who are upon that which the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa and his companions were upon. All of those who are following the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and his companions, they are the ahlu sunnah wal-jama'ah. And whoever follows the practices, the manners, the character, Hold the belief and worships Allah in the way that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu and his companions worshipped Allah and these are who we mean when we say the Ahlul Sunnah wal Juma'ah all other groups who deviated from the beliefs or the practices or the manners of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, are not included in the Ahlul Sunnah wal jamaah and the primary and foremost and يعني, the most obvious group which it should not be included Ahlul Sunnah wal Juma'ah are the Shia who oppose the way of the Prophet Sallallahu and oppose his companions رضي الله عنهم أجمعين The Ahl Sunnah are named Ahl Sunnah due to their adherence to and following of the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu yani they are named Ahl Sunnah because they are the people who adhere to the Sunnah or the way of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi As-Sunnah means As-Tariqah or the way so the way of the Prophet the people who follow that way are called `Ahlu al-Sunnah, the people of the Sunnah. They are named the Jama'a al jamaah group because they are those who have gathered upon the truth. They have collected themselves and united themselves based on al-Haq, the truth, and have not divided into sects or parties in the religion among themselves. They stuck together as one group, therefore they are called. Al And the first jama'ah is the jama'ah or the congregation or the group of the companions of the Prophet As-Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'in They are the first jama'ah And whoever follows their way in sticking to the sunnah and sticking together and uniting themselves on the truth They are also referred to by this name al-jama'ah Because they unite themselves based on the truth and are not divided into sects they have collected themselves or gathered themselves around the lawful rulers of the Muslims and have not revolted against them. And they have followed that which the Salaf, the early or the first generations of the Muslims have unanimously agreed upon. They followed the way of the first generations of the Muslims at Salaf al Sali or the righteous predecessors which refer to the companions and their students the Tabi'un and their students, the atbaat and whoever, or and whoever follows in their way of the later generations following their beliefs as well as their manners and their worship since these people are alone to the exclusion of others they are the followers of the Sunnah in the real sense of the way of following they are the followers of the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah adhering to his <laughs> path and sticking to it they are also known as ahlu al-ittiba' al-ittiba' means those who follow strictly so the Ahlul sunnah al jama'ah because they strictly follow the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu they are also known by this name al ittiba' ahlu al-ittiba' means those who follow strictly and they are in this world referred to as the victorious group al-ta'ifa al-mansura the victorious, the victorious group, who would be victorious, victorious in this world by the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the hereafter they are referred to as the saved sect or the saved group, al Firqa al Najiya. yani those who would be saved from the fire, the saved sect as the Prophet sallallahu said that the Jews were divided into 71 sects the Christians into 72 and the Muslims he said my Ummah would be divided into 73 all of them would be in the hellfire except one and when they said who is that one he said the one who is upon that which I and my companions are upon he said al Jama'ah. the jama'a in another narration <coughs> they asked him who is the Jama'ah? Yeah, the the ones who will be saved from the fire he said ma ana alayhi al-yawm wa ashabi that which I and my companions are following today always well, we follows that way they are the jama'a and that jama'a is the one group from amongst the us the muslim ummah that would be spared. Or saved from the fire. Those are other Muslims who may have deviated on some point or another. They might be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the fire. But if they died believing in Allah alone, even with mistakes or sins or some error, they would still be taken out of the fire. But the same sect, al-firqa and najir refers to those who followed the way of the Prophet strictly in their lifetime. And therefore in the next life, they would be saved from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next next point point that we want to discuss discuss after after this brief introduction introduction or definition of Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah and what are some of the names of Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah, it is very important to know what is the manner or the way or the methodology that is used by the Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah in achieving or in acquiring or in deriving the matters of aqidah and their istidlal or the way that they seek proofs or evidences for the matters of belief, creed, aqidah. What is the methodology that is employed by ahl al in seeking the knowledge of aqidah and the proof, the manner of proofs and evidence in matters of aqidah. The points which we have mentioned here are perhaps the most important fundamental points of the methodology employed by Ahl-Sunna al in the acquisition of matters of aqidah and these points need to be understood well. The first of them is that the source upon which the creed is based, the source upon which the aqidah is based, is strictly or is restricted to the book of Allah, Al-Quran, and the authentic sahih sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as well as the ijma' or consensus of the righteous predecessors, the early generations of the Muslims, Salafi salih that means the source upon which our creed, our aqeedah is based. It should be the book of Allah, Al-Qur'an. The authentic sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam And the ijma'ah, or that which there's consensus or agreement upon from the first generations of the Muslims, the sahaba, the tabi'un, and those who followed in their way. The proofs of this are many. From among them is the saying of Allah, sallallahu wa ta'ala Ya Amanu, wa rasul. وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ O you who believe, obey Allah and obey the Messenger and those in authority from amongst you. This makes us to know, as many ayahs in the Quran refer to obedience to Allah and obedience to the Messenger of Allah. And as for those in authority from amongst us, it is their authority or their right to be obeyed is based on their following the instructions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So these three are the primary sources, the Qur'an, the Sunnah, and the ijmah, And the Prophet ﷺ recorded in authentic hadith, in the Sunnah of Abu Dawud, in the Sunnah, and the sunnah of at tirmidhi on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar, r.a. He's saying, إِنَّ اللَّهِ la لَا يَجْمَعْ ala عَلَى الضَّلَالَةِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not allow my ummah, or would not cause my ummah, to reach a consensus or, or agreement, agreement upon that which is astray or that or which is error. لَا أمتي عَلَىٰ ضلالة. Therefore, Therefore, we understand from this hadith of the Prophet that if the Muslim Ummah has reached a consensus upon any matter then we are sure that it will not be error or astray, it will not be ضَلَالًا Therefore, the ijma consensus of the Muslim scholars first and foremost among Sahaba and those who follow them in their way that ijma 'ah is also a source of our belief or creed or aqeedah briefly the second point is related to the Sunnah and it is (coughs) that we are required to accept the authentic Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam no matter what way it came to us if it came to us by a single chain of narratives which is called Ahadith Ahad or if it came to us through many chains of narratives called mutawatiq in any case any hadith that came to us through one chain or many chains if the chain of narratives or reporters of that hadith is correct is reliable, is authentic then we are required we are obligated to accept it and to take our beliefs as well as our practices from that instruction or example of the Prophet found in that hadith the details of the difference between mutawatir hadith and ahad hadith are <coughs> extensive but just briefly we can say that a hadith is mutawatir and some of the people who deviated said that we don't take aqeedah except for mutawatir hadith but we say that if it's mutawatir or even if it's not mutawatir if it's ahad hadith if it is sahih or authentic we still accept it. And mutawassir hadith means those hadith which are reported by a large number of narrators such that under normal circumstances it would be impossible for them to have agreed upon a lie. This is a mutawatir hadith. The second condition for mutawatir hadith is that that large number of narrators who reported so the reported hadith, that number should exist throughout the chain of narrators. And it's from the first generations until the last. Number three, that the report is based on something heard or seen, etc. And number four, that the narration, the report of the hadith necessitates or requires knowledge by he who hears it. Yani that we are <coughs> required to believe in what we hear when we heard that hadith, uh, that has been reported by Mutawatir's narration. This technical definition of mutawatir or the condition of mutawatir hadith is not so important at this stage, but the important thing to keep in mind is that the hadith which came to us by mutawatir, many chains, or ahad, one chain, all of them, if it is sahih, we are required to accept it in matters of aqidah. The third point is that the point of reference for understanding the Qur'an and the sunnah are those texts that clarify the meaning. We understand the Qur'an and the sunnah, through other ayat of Qur'an or other hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which bring, bring clarity to that which may not be perfectly clear. So if we are unsure about an ayat a verse of Qur'an or hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, we will first look to the other ayat of Qur'an and other hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, to find clarity. We will also look to the understanding of the first generation of the Muslims that is the Haban, and those who follow them. And the proofs, the proofs of this are many. From <clears throat> so amongst those proofs, we say Allah That whoever opposes the Messenger, صلى الله عليه وسلم, after the guidance has been made clear to them. وَيَتَّبِيَ غَيْرَ سَبِيلَ al follows other than the way of the believers, then we will turn that person to that which they turn themselves and cause them to enter the hellfire and evil is it as their destination. This ayah from the Quran, from Surah al nisa chapter 4, verse 115, makes us to know that whoever opposes the way of the messenger, Muhammad sallam, after the guidance has become clear to them, and whoever follows other than the way of the believers, غَيْرَ سَبِيلَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ other than the way of the sahaba, Because they are the first believers, and they were the believers who were referred to when the ayah was revealed. Whoever follows other than their way, then that person would be punished in the hellfire. Therefore from this ayah we know that we should follow the way of the Sahaba, especially in the verses of Quran and Hadith which may not be clear to us, we will follow the understanding of the Sahaba and their students and those who came after them following in their way. Another proof of this is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ this report in al and Muslim, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه. The Prophet ﷺ said خَيْرُ النَّاتِ Karni, That the best of all humanity are my generation, meaning the sahaba, the companions رضي الله عنهم أجمعين ثمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثمَّ الَّذِينَ The best of mankind, the best of humanity is my generation, that is the companions, sahaba, then those who follow them, and then those who follow them meaning that the best of all humanity are the companions and then the generation who followed them, the tabi'un and then the generation who followed them, the atba'atabi'un so that the understanding of sahaba they are confirmed as being the best of people and therefore they have more right that their understanding of the Quran and the sunnah being the students of the Messenger of Allah and his companions has more right that we should follow it than to follow some other way (coughs) the next point Is that the Prophet or before that, uh, also this this, this understanding from the Quran or from the Sunnah or the understanding of Sahaba has precedent over that which might be understood from the Arabic language or the language of the Arabs. The language of the Arabs is a source of understanding, but if it contradicts anything from the Quran or Sunnah or understanding of Sahaba, then it is to be rejected. we will not allow linguistic meaning from the Arabic language to be a contradiction to that which is understood by the companions of the Prophet So uh, we follow or we can take understanding from the Arabic language but after that which is clear in the Quran and the Sunnah for the understanding of the companions of the Messenger of Allah the fourth point is that the Prophet sallallahu has explained all the fundamentals of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has explained all of the essential aspects of the deen. It is therefore not permissible. It is not allowed. It is forbidden for anyone to innovate or to bring something new into the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, claiming that his innovation is a part of Islam or that his innovation is something good. The proofs of this are many. <coughs> and from amongst the proofs of this is the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi in the hadith recorded in the Sunnah of Abu dawud in the Yata'ad of Irbat, Ibn Sariya radiallahu anhu and that hadith is Sahih. In that hadith he mentions part of the hadith innahu may ya'ish minkum fasa yaraa iskilafan For whoever of you lives long then you will see many differences, many conflicts and differences amongst the people. So what should we do if we live in that time when the people are differing and there's no more, there's no time, that there's more difference among the people than the time we are living in today. He said, That if you are in the time when the people are differing, then stick, it is obligatory on you to stick to my sunnah and the sunnah of the Khulafa' r rashidin the right the guide Hold on to it tightly, like <coughs> with your mola teeth. You stick to it and hold on to it tightly. <coughs> uh, also, a proof against anyone who says that they are bringing something into the religion that is a part of it or that it is good, though it was not found in the Quran or the Sunnah or amongst the companions of the Prophet is. <coughs> The saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Aliyawm wa asmaltu lakum dinukum wa asmamtu alaykum ni'amati wa radheetu lakum l'islamadin. That today I perfected for you your religion, uh, and completed my favor upon you and chosen you, chosen for you Islam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the revelation, the Quran, in the revelation, the Sunnah. So it has been perfected and there and nothing can be added to it. imam Ali, Rahimahullah, said that which, يعني, benefited or corrected or was good for the early part of our ummah, it is the only thing that will correct the later part of this ummah. Therefore that which we found the companions of the Prophet upon is the same thing that is good for us today, there is no need for anything new. Also the saying of the Prophet which in Al-Bukhari and muslim on the authority of Aisha She said that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ said, that whoever innovates or brings something new into this matter of ours, يعني into the deen of Allah. مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ That is not apart from it, Then it will be rejected. Whoever brings something new, even if it appears to our intellect to be good, if it is not founded in the Quran and Sunnah or understanding of Sahaba, فَهُوَ It is rejected. And if anybody claims that we haven't invented anything new, but we found our forefathers, our grandfathers, for our parents doing it, then Aisha also recorded from the Prophet sallallahu that not only the one who initially innovated it, but whoever practices it, he will also have his deeds rejected. And she said that the Prophet said, Man That whoever does any deed or any action that is not upon our way, that is founded in the Qur'an and Sunnah, then it will be rejected. (coughs) So whether we are inventing something new ourselves, or following that which has been invented by those before us, it will not be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will talk about this over and over and over again, the danger of innovation, bid'ah, and the need to follow the sunnah strictly without bringing anything new. Point number five, that we must submit both inwardly and outwardly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa (coughs) sallam, not only in our outward appearance, but also inwardly, and not only claiming to have Iman in our heart, but also outwardly. The deen of Allah is complete and we have to enter it completely, inwardly and outwardly, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 208, that all you who believe, enter into Islam, into submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, completely, totally. And don't follow the footsteps of Shaytan, verily, he is an open enemy for you. <coughs> this ayah makes clear to, clear to us that Islam requires of us total submission, entering into Islam perfectly and completely, with all that that entails. Therefore, one may not oppose anything from the Book of Allah or the authentic sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ by analogy, feeling, personal taste, or any other source. Whether the opinions of scholars or others, our shaykh, our imam, or anything similar to this. We cannot oppose the Book of Allah, the Qur'an or the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ with any opinion or our personal feeling or that which some of the people who are involved in Tawwuf Sufiism call Kesh. Some unveiling or knowledge or information that came to, to them through other means. We cannot allow these things <coughs> to be in contradiction or to oppose that which came to us by revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is indicated in the saying of Allah in Surah Al-A'raq, chapter 7, verse 3. You must follow that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا مِن دُونِهِ أولياء, And don't follow anything other than that from amongst the awliyaa. قَلِيلًا مَا تذكرون. Little is it that you remember. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to follow what has been revealed, that is the Qur'an and authentic sunnah, and not to follow the awliya. the friends or the saints or the whoever we may consider as being awliyaa of Allah, we should not follow anything Except that which is based upon what was revealed to us from our Lord, that is the Quran and the way of the Prophet ﷺ. Also, of the points that we should keep in mind in the of Sunnah Jama'ah and related to the matters of aqeedah is that sound reasoning, sound reasoning, healthy reasoning, is always in agreement with the authentic transmission of revelation. yani a person whose intellect is not distorted or corrupted it will never be in contradiction to that which has been reported to us us authentically either the Qur'an or the Sunnah, no two absolute truth among reason and revelation can contradict one another. When contradiction is supposed or there is an apparent contradiction between the revelation and our intellect then we must put revelation first over reasoning or our intellect. healthy intellect would not contradict the revelation but if there appears to be a contradiction between what our intellect tells us and what has been given to us by Allah by revelation then the revelation has to take precedence over whatever we might imagine by our intellect. The example of those who deviated on this point, those who gave precedence to the intellect over the revelation are many and from amongst them is though the man, the scholar from Sudan, who was the leader of the Muslims there, and considered to be one of their scholars, their intellectuals, and he said in a public meeting in the University of Khartoum, that the hadith of the Prophet in which he said that if a fly falls into someone's drink or their vessel or container, that they should dip the whole fly in the container and then throw it out, because in one wing, is a poison or a sickness and in the other wing is the antidote, he said that he wouldn't accept it, he would not believe it, because his intellect cannot accept such an idea and that's the doctor told him. Whoever rejects the authentic hadith of the Prophet because their intellect doesn't accept it, they have contradicted the methodology for the way of the Ahlul Sunnah al-Jama'ah because we are required to put the revelation above our intellect if there is an apparent contradiction if our intellect tells us something is unacceptable but Allah has revealed it to us or the Prophet wasallam has informed us then we reject our intellect and we give priority to the revelation the Prophet wasallam is reported to have said in an authentic hadith that is quoted by Al-Bukhari he said إِذَا وَقَعَ الزُّبَّابِ فِي if a fly falls into the container of any one of you كُلَّهُ Then you should dip the whole of the fly in that container. ثَمَّ Then throw it out. فَإِنَّ فِي جُنَاهَيْهِ دَاءً وفي آخر شفاءً Yani because in one of its wings is a daa, a sickness or a poison. And in the other of its wings is the shifaa or the healing or the cure for that sickness the scientists have discovered today in the medical profession even amongst the castles they have found, they have discovered that in fact these words of the Prophet وسلم medically have been proven true that in fact the fly does contain a sickness uh, some kind of microbe that cause harm to the person and within the body of the fly also is contained the cure Uh also in matters of Akhidah it is required to adhere to the wording employed by the sharia, and to avoid all innovative expressions or wording. Yani, in matters of aqidah, when we discuss the aqidah, we should use the language that has been given to us in the Quran, has, as Allah explained it or despised it, or that which came to us in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet and not use language or expression or terminology that are foreign to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Because these expressions lead people astray and cause confusion in the minds of the people and a contemporary example of such is one of the American Muslim leaders who described Allah as a divine mind. And a divine mind has not been mentioned as a characteristic of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, not in the Qur'an nor in the authentic Sunnah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself with those descriptions that are fitting for him. Al-Hayyul Qayyum, the one who has perfect life and who is self-subsisting and upon whom all others subsist. Al-Alim, Al-Hakim, the one who is all-knowing and all-wise. Al-Ali, Al-Azim, the one who is the most high and the supreme. These names that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described himself with are sufficient for him. And they are perfect descriptions and therefore there is no need for us to employ. Wording other than the wording that came in the Quran or in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. As for any expression that is not clear in its meaning, that doesn't come from the Quran and Sunnah, and it may possibly indicate something that is incorrect or something that is correct, then we inquire about what is intended by this expression from the one who is using it, and if the meaning that they apply to it is a good meaning, then we accept that meaning. But if it is a wrong meaning, then we reject it. In any case, the language that we use in our discussion or expression of aqeedah should be the language found in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The next point is the infallibility from committing sin or error is affirmed only for the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam no one else is infallible from falling into error But the one who is protected by revelation from Allah Taala, if he makes any error that Allah was corrected is only the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Muslim ummah as well as a whole if they reach a consensus is also infallible from agreeing upon any deviation as we mentioned the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that verily Allah would not make my Ummah to reach a consensus or agreement on that which is astray. Therefore the Muslim Ummah as a whole is infallible from falling into error or deviation but an individual, no individual is infallible except the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Therefore we should beware of anyone who claims infallibility or claims absolute obedience or following other than the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Allah, subhanahu wa taala, said about him to prove this point in Surah al-Najm, chapter fifty-three, verse three and four: Wa ma illa wahy yuha. That he doesn't speak from his own desire. That is the Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He doesn't say anything from himself. That he makes up or he feels or he desires in huwa illa wahy yuha. It is no more or nothing else except revelation that is revealed. Whatever he says, it is from Allah, subhanahu wa taala. In those matters concerning which the scholars and others have differed and where there is difference of opinion amongst the Muslim scholars or the people then we refer these differences back to the Book of Allah, the Quran and the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, while offering an excuse for the errors of those scholars of the Muslim Ummah who exercise ijtihad Yani the scholars who made ijtihad, if they err then we look for excuses for them, we don't blame them but in terms of knowing what is right and what is wrong, we refer differences back to the Quran and the Sunnah, and this is the minhad of sunnah al that has been given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. When he said, Rasul, Minkum, wa kuntum that all oh, you who believe will be Allah and will be the Messenger and those in the Quran amongst you. But if you differ, فَإِمْتَنَا زَعْتُمْ If you differ in any matter, then the solution to that difference or the way of resolving it is given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَرُدُّْوهُ إِلَى الله وَالرَّسُولِ Then refer it back to Allah, meaning the Book of Allah, the Quran, and the Rasul, the Messenger of Allah, Allah سبحانه, meaning His Sunnah if indeed you believe in Allah in the last day, and that is best and most suitable for final determination. And if we have any differences, the solution that Allah has given to us is to refer back to the Quran and the authentic sunnah of the Prophet The next point is that there are amongst the Muslim ummah, those individuals who were spoken to, yani those whom received inspiration, not revelation, inspiration. Furthermore, the existence of a righteous dream is a reality and is a part of prophethood. Similarly, the existence of al farasa or intuitive knowledge of human nature is a reality. But all of these things, they are accepted only when they are in agreement with the Sharia. However, they are not a source of Aqidah nor are they a source of Sharia. And we can accept a person who has a dream, or who has intuitive knowledge of human nature they are able to identify the character of people just by looking at them or meeting them. It doesn't mean though that though they may be correct in their deduction or conclusion and we can accept it if it is in agreement with the sharia, but we do not accept such sources as a source of aqidah or a source of sharia. Uh, the last couple of points. Uh, that are very important also is that those matters where they exist an authentic prohibition from delving deeply into them are to be avoided in compliance with that prohibition as the Prophet ordered us to avoid delving deeply into the matter of Al-Qadr wa Qabar the Divine Decree yani into the how of it or into the deeper understanding of why Allah decrees what He decrees or how He decrees it. We may discuss it based on the evidence in Qur'an and Sunnah, but we shouldn't delve deeply into it. Also, uh, that every innovation in religion is rejected. It is a deviation and every deviation leads to the hellfire and this is an important principle in the minhaj or the methodology of the Ahl sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Uh, the proofs concerning this are many. Um, but due to lack of time inshallah, we will suffice uh, everyone may refer to the notes from this class for the points which we discussed here quickly and uh, it is of the utmost importance that these points of the minhaj of the Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah be understood properly and thoroughly and if there is any question or need for clarification uh, or if there is any doubt about any point or principle from these points which have been mentioned then it is open for discussion, in the next lecture insha'Allah you will send your questions in writing, we will try to clarify that which is unclear and bring proof for that which requires proof and try to eliminate any doubt or any confusion concerning these important matters which are the foundation of our study and our discussion and our understanding of the Aqeedah of the Ahl Sunnah Wal Jamaah. Uh, the last point that we wanted to discuss is the important uh, or distinguishing qualities or characteristics of Ahl al al-Jama'ah. There's no time to discuss it now, inshallah. in the next lecture we will discuss that. And in the next lecture also we will begin with the book or the essay of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen and some of the points contained in that book within from your brothers of Qatar's guest centre, a subdivision of the Sheikh Eid bin Mohammed Al Thani Charity Association, telephone number four eight six two three nine zero facts Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi